if I wanted to book you on my show, I would find about as about as much about you as I could. And it's really just finding that timing and just paying attention and getting your ear on the pulse and figuring stuff out. But really, it's just being consistent with your show, doing the very best work that you can possibly do with the resources that you have. You're listening to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, the podcast for coaches, thought leaders, and change makers who are ready to become the standout expert. If that's you, stay tuned because you're in the right place. I'm your host, Samantha Riley, and I want to help you build a successful business sharing your expertise, generate the impact and income you need to create your ideal lifestyle. It's time to make a difference and scale up. Are you ready? Let's enter the lab. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, Brett. It's great to have you joining me today. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Good evening to you or good morning to you. I We were talking about the time change. Oh, yeah. Well, it's evening for you. It's just afternoon for me. So okay. I've got the easy gig here. You've got the harder <laughs> gig. <laughs> That's okay. I'm totally fine. I, you know, this last year has been one big time warp. So everything's okay. <laughs> exactly. What day is it? What time is it? I don't know. Exactly. Anyway, it's great to have you here. You're the host of the Brett Allen Show, a new interview view celebrities, comedians, and pop culture icons, which I think is super, super cool. And today we're going to talk about how to get sort of more high profile guests on their show and who better to answer that question than yourself. But before we jump in, why don't you share a little bit about how you came to, you know, start this podcast? Actually, was it even your first podcast? No, it wasn't. So I started three years ago or so with Anchor because it was free and I had an iPhone and it was something else before that. And then it kind of, they rebranded and became Anchor where you could podcast. So that's how it started. And I did it because I could do it from my phone. It was easy and it was just very one-stop shop for podcasting. So really it started out as like a journey podcast as Dave Jackson, you know, refers to it where I was talking about single parenting you know, it was basically free therapy for me, who was at the time going through, well, I'd been divorced for a while, but really was able to talk about it. And that's how it started for me. The interviews and all of that started much later, the celebrity interviews, even later than that. But essentially, it was just a chance for me to talk about whatever I could talk about and to experience it. And then eventually, I met people like Eric Conley, who hosts Unstructured, which we talked about before we started recording. Mm -hmm. And he and I started doing some things together. And then I started interviewing folks, had a lot of different types of people on the show. I had sex therapists, adult film actors. I had all kinds of nonprofit, just anybody that I could talk to. And that's how it started for me, because my goal at the time, and you'll probably ask this later, was to just get good at interviewing people. And I feel like mm. I still have a long way to go, but really it gave me the opportunity. I eventually switched to Simplecast, which I use now and eventually invested in equipment and over the years have upgraded. It's kind of a long answer to your question, but really it's been an entire process that's taken three and a half years to get where I'm at. Mm. And I think that's really important to talk about because 
you know, social media, we look at things and we see that, oh, wow, that person's got that great, you know, success or things are going so well for them. And we don't often see or, you know, we don't often talk about the journey that gets us to where we are. And it's never a linear, you know, from point A to point B and it just happens. You know, I was asked on a podcast today, you know, do you have to know who you are before you start a business or, you know, a podcast, we could insert that topic. And my answer was no, because you find yourself along the way and you actually need to start to discover where you're going. And it sounds like you've, you know, you are backing up that statement. Yeah, you have to find your voice because, I mean, we've all had some podcast, I think anybody who's listening that's a podcaster, whether you've been in it for a long time, like yourself, Samantha, or you're just starting, you have to find yourself and your voice, but it takes time to do that because obviously from a journey podcast to a pop culture celebrity interview show is it's a big leap. Yeah. You know, and it's it just it did not happen overnight. It's taken a lot of time, a lot of hard work. Um, it's just, it's taken a lot of mistakes and especially in a niche that's not very giving or forgiving either. It it takes a lot of work to get the people that I've had. And, and so I started out listening to like Joe Rogan and Adam Carolla and these guys who were doing these like late night type shows. And so I found myself kind of like, I would say impersonating them to a degree. Like, I think I was even saying like, <laughs> it's embarrassing. I don't think I've ever told anybody, but I would say like Mahalo at the end of my inter conversation, like, you know, Adam Carolla and Dr. Drew do. And then I was like, well, that sounds stupid when I say it, but that's what he <laughs> says. And eventually you just kind of over time sort of find your voice as mm. they say, and really like deep down, I think there's like, a little bit of narcissism maybe that I deal with, which kind of prompts me to want to talk to celebrities or maybe I don't want to say obsession, but just kind of an interest in it. And, you know, instead of starting a TV show or a YouTube channel, I started, well, I could do this in short form podcasting 30 minutes and yeah, it's been a process for sure. Mm. And I, I really love, and thank you for even sharing that you did go on that journey of trialing, you know, things that sounded great with other people and they didn't sound so great with you because no. you know what? We all do that, but we keep that little secret hidden in our closet, don't we? Yeah. We don't like to talk about the mistakes, but really it's those mistakes that get us to where we are and mm. allow us to be able to continue on the journey that we want to be on as a podcaster. You know, there's a million something or more podcasts out there. I don't know what the exact number is. And there's out of that number, there's a very high percentage of the same type of shows that do the same thing that I do. And some I can even think of that are great that we've even had some of the same people. But the question is, you know, it's all about the sale. Like it's all about the sale. Can you make the sale? And my product is me and my style of interviewing and the currency is, you know, the number of downloads or the people that listen or the people that I've had on my show. And can I take that and parlay that into building relationships with publicists and things like that and really just 
making the mistakes, saying the goofy little things, you know, that I joke about. But really, once you kind of figure out who you are, getting used to your own voice, literally and figuratively, then people start to notice and go, you know, Brett or Samantha or whomever has a, a very unique style of interviewing people. So you get comfortable in your skin and eventually you just kind of do it without really even thinking about it, honestly. Mm, love that. So was there a specific event that happened where you suddenly decided, I'm going to stop talking about, you know, being a single dad and sharing these stories and I'm going to start interviewing celebrities? Or was it something that, you know, you got a couple on and you thought, actually, I really enjoy this and I'm going to transition over? Yeah. So it's kind of a combination of things like, although that personal side and it still comes through in just in my personality and not so much as a focus of topics, unless I have somebody on who's been in the same boat and that becomes a part of the conversation. But so I was interviewing people for a year. And then within that year, I started to talk to people who weren't necessarily a celebrity status, but they were people of notoriety. I would talk to people like Jordan Harbinger or Evan Carmichael or, you know, the Pat Flynn, the, the famous five people that everybody has on their podcast at some point, John Lee Dumas. And I kind of got bit by that. But really, I kind of, long story short, got hooked up with a publicist who I had one of her clients on and she kind of took me under her wing and sort of taught me how to talk to people and how to make the ask. At first, it was very abrupt and sort of unprofessional as far as how I was going about it. But fortunately, it wasn't with anybody of any kind of influence. But to fast forward, I took a break for a year because I had some life changes happen and I just stopped podcasting altogether. And then eventually, I got onto the pod sound school because I really, well, to be honest, I had like an existential breakdown about my show. Like I just, mm -hmm. it became so overwhelming because I wanted to do a brand change, which at the time it was the Bird Allen show. But for some reason, it just became so complicated that I just gave up on the whole thing. And then when the pandemic hit, that's where the celebrity interview started to really pump was because people were at home. But to answer your mm. question directly, it's kind of been a segregated journey for things. But after the break, I started back up last February when the pandemic first started because I was laid off and I had nothing but time on my hands and I was really able to focus on the show and I just started doing it and then recently just did the brand change because it was just a better fit for who I was. And really, I realized that I was the brand of the show, the people that were listening were listening because of me, mm. not necessarily because of the guest, although that might be part of it, but it was me. So it's been a process. Like the first year was pretty solid, just pumping out episodes and then a little year of working and then a big break. And then now just going nonstop, you know, since mm. last February or March. Thanks again to some friends who just really encouraged me and said, you know, just be you. And, but yeah, that, when I tried to do a change initially, I just got too many people involved and it just became so stressful. I was like, forget it. 
I'm out. <laughs> mm. I love that you shared. There's a few things in there, but first, you must have some really cool friends because it is so important to be surrounded by the right people yeah. that help steer us in, you know, and and encourage us and motivate us to go in the right direction. So, so that's so awesome. What I want to touch on now was, or start to talk about is how to get these high-profile guests on our shows because I'm, anyone that's a podcaster, the, you know, we don't do it because we're shy, retiring people normally. You know, we do it because we like to have conversations with people. Yeah. And most of us want to get these, you know, some high-profile people on our show. I had a look through your list. I, I, I don't know. iTunes is, was chopping them out for me, so I could only see a few. But I know that you've had Perez Hilton on your show, talking about pop culture icons. You had Carol Baskin on your show. I was like, wow, this is so cool. As well as many comedians and actors and reality TV guests. How do you, or how did you even get your first sort of big name person on the show? And and what have you learned along the way in reaching out to them? Yes. Well, I want to say, first of all, that the idea of having a pop culture podcast, especially talking to celebrities, can be a very daunting and a very unforgiving industry because like with podcasting in general, there's a lot of helping each other out. There's show swapping, guest swapping, and all of that is great. And it works for the general population of podcasting. But when it comes to the entertainment space, it's going to sound brash, but nobody will give you anything. You have to work hard and Mm. it's very competitive. So I started getting people like in February of last year, I was just reaching out. I focused, I wanted to focus on pop culture. So I've got a few low to mid-level celebrities, you know, that were recognizable. But the comedian or former comedian, Lisa Lampanelli, that was really like my first chance to just jump out and like go for, at the time, I've made way bigger swings since then, but that was like a big swing for me. And like she responded back in a few days and said, sure, why not? She's like, I'm at home. I have nothing else to do. Mm. I'll come on your show. So, so to answer that question, the, the one of the biggest lessons I learned is obviously it's about making the sale and we'll talk about that. But number two, it's not being afraid to ask. And number three, not being afraid to hear no and to take a risk because you never know who might say yes. It's really like you just don't know. And so once I was able to book her and get her on my show, and have that recognizable name. I think after that, you know, I got to actor D.B. Sweeney, William Hung from American Idol. And then I started reaching out to other comedians and they started saying yes. And it just literally started to explode and snowball from there. Now, granted, I hear no all the time. In fact, I probably hear no more now than I ever have, just because at this point, it's not so much about At first, it was kind of like, well, I want to build a resume and get some great people and have some good conversations. Now it's more targeted as far as who's promoting what. A lot of these publicists now reach out to me and pitch me people because they might be promoting something new or a TV show. So those are the big things is not being afraid to ask. Number two, not being afraid of no. Number three, building relationships, long-lasting relationships with people 
And sometimes it means doing a favor or two for somebody. It also means, you know, digging the well before you're thirsty, building the long-term relationships, and then finally just having abundant mindset and helping, helping other people who were in this entertainment space. And if I had somebody that I had on my show, then they were wanting to do more press, I might refer them to somebody like, you know, Eric or Larry Roberts or anybody that has a podcast that is in the same vein as mine. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, cool. All right. Let's, so you're talking about making the sale, not being afraid to ask, not being afraid to hear no and building relationships. I want to take it back even one step further. How do we even know where to start to reach out to some of these people? So what was your process to researching how to reach out to these people? So I was doing what I like to call pod stalking. I was looking at other entertainment <laughs> shows, whether big or small, it didn't matter. And I was seeing who they had and the size of the show. And I would kind of Google it and see and sort of figure out who's doing interviews. Um, Eventually, I wound up getting put into there's a main database where these people can search me, find me. And if they have somebody that's a good fit and my audience is right, pitch them or I can ask them now. But really, it just starts out by asking. I I did a conference like last year sometime called Booking the Guest of Your Dreams. And I had a lot of other podcasters on. I subscribed to IMDb Pro, which is like the database that these people use to promote things. And so I was just very keen on what people were up to and watching. And then I just started asking, you know, eventually I was able to craft a pitch where it's pretty boilerplate at this point where I put in all my stats, how many people listen, how many downloads, where my reach goes, and a resume essentially of the top 20 people I've had which is now, thankfully, you know, with a lot of hard work is just everybody's recognizable. Like I pitch it. I want this person to come on. I want to talk about this. I'm very specific about what I want to talk about. And that's another thing that I had to learn was to really narrow it down because when they get that letter or that email, the publicist or the manager, and they're opening things up, you know, you've got about a minute to catch their attention and it's either going to mm. be a pass or a yes, or sometimes I don't hear anything like, mm -hmm. you know, there's just no answer. And that's another whole conversation. But really, I just started asking. I was, I had this publicist that I mentioned, she kind of helped me craft this letter and how to put it, at least what she looks for when she's booking talent. And I started getting asked a lot of the same questions. How many people listen? What platforms are you on? How far is your reach? Like all the standard topics that a lot of people don't like to talk about. Yeah. I was putting all that information out there and it really just cuts through the butter quite quickly. And I just learned that over time, I'll adjust things obviously to who I'm asking or maybe switch things up even more. So if it's the same agency, will they go, oh, it's Brett emailing, you know, is it a yes or a no? Let's ask. But uh, mm, it just kind of because you've built that relationship. Yeah, right? I've built that relationship, but I still cold pitch people that I haven't talked to. And again, I got a lot of no's this week and it really comes down to, you know, it could be show size. It could be reach. 
It could be there's no schedule time, like a lot of different things. And that's the other piece, not taking it personal uh, mm. when you get a no, but I hope that answered your question, but it's just really, totally. it just kind of is a process, but really it's just starting and doing it and not being annoying to the person that you're have on the other end of the email, which can yeah. happen. Yeah, right. So the two things that I'm hearing that are really important to be able to get these higher profile guests is reach. So having the downloads and making sure that you've got an audience that really, you know, is what's the word beneficial, I guess, for that yeah. for that person that you're asking on the show. And number two is being very clear on what it is that you want to talk about so that you're giving them the the container of this is what we're going to speak about right so let's just go back to the reach a little bit first because there's going to be plenty of people that are listening going well that's really great but like what comes first the chicken or the egg i don't have the reach yet but i know that i'll get it when i get these people on the show so how can people start to get their reach up or how did you let's start with that how did you get your reach up to get to a point where these people did start to say yes well let me just caveat with that saying when i started i didn't have all that but i still asked and so it's more about asking and just being specific about what you want and providing whatever information that you can now some people will ask your metrics but really that's just been building a show over the last three and a half years word of mouth building a consistent time with my audience listening to what they want communicating with them whether it's on instagram or you know through email or a dm that they send me but really there you would be surprised like there are shows out there who i don't i don't want to say anything negative but that are very small in size who maybe just started then have some amazing people just because it was the right time are they promoting mm -hmm. something you know follow them mm -hmm. on social media do they have a movie coming out do they have a book coming out do they have a course that they're promoting you know if i wanted to book you on my show i would find about as about as much about you as i could what's your most recent book you know what are you promoting and it's really just finding that timing and just paying attention and getting your ear on the pulse and figuring stuff out but really it's just being consistent with your show whether it's weekly bi-weekly doing the very best work that you can possibly do with the resources that you have mm. that that's so, really it like are you maximizing there's an old saying that you know history doesn't repeat itself but it rhymes and success leaves clues what mm. are other successful people doing that's the other thing i was watching the hell pardon my language out of everybody around me that had a pop culture show and i was mm -hmm. watching what they were doing and you know I'm probably the most agreeable when it comes to people because I'll tell people anything because I'm not <laughs> I'm not so concerned about, you know, somebody bigfooting me necessarily. I mean, I might not announce a guest specifically because I want to get it out first and then, you know, but let's take Carol Baskin, for example. I had her, I interviewed her. I reached out to Eric Humley. I said, hey, Eric, Carol's doing press. Do you want to interview her? Sure. Well, can you can you make an introduction i was like well her email's on her website okay cool you can tell her that i had her on my show so it's all about building relationships it's a lot to mm. it but really just are you maximizing everything that you have and even though 
your show might not have this or that. You have, you still have something to offer. You can offer them how many platforms your show's on. You can offer how many countries your show is in. You know, the size matters as far as a lot of times just like the reach. Like that's really mm -hmm. like, is my guest going to get the maximum amount of reach, you know, on your show? And if you can put it together honestly and truly, but kind of zhush it up and, you know, put it out there, you would be surprised who might say yes. Mm, so it's about how you package it up. It's all about the package and, and the presentation and branding, really. That's honestly a lot of my success is that, you know, if I had to size it up, obviously hard work, everybody works hard, but it's packaging mm -hmm. and selling yourself. And, and can you close the deal with what information you're providing if you're professional about it? And it's also having the right resources, whether it's LinkedIn Pro or IMDb Pro, being able to connect with the people, but you know, you'd be surprised who would say yes. Mm. So you talked about also being really tight on the topic so that when you reach out to people that you can say, well, the, you know, this is what we're going to talk about. How do you put that together? So, you know, are you giving them the specifics of these are the kinds of questions I'm going to ask or is it more, hey, I saw that you're promoting a new book and I'd love to talk about that. Like, you know, how much is the right amount and how much is too much? How much is not enough? Right. So the big question I would get is what's the scope of the interview? What are you going to ask my client? Mm -hmm. And I would say, I'm, I want to talk about their brand new book, all topics surrounding this will release immediately. Boom. That's it. I had mm -hmm. John Acafon and I wanted to talk about his new book soundtracks. I was like, I want to talk about soundtracks. And if we talk about other things, that's great. But at least they know if they've got a new movie out, I want to talk about this movie. If they have a book out, I want to discuss the book. If they have a course, I want to talk about the course. If they're a podcasting pro, then obviously we're going to talk about podcasting. So it's like a paragraph. You know, the scope of the interview will be this, yada, yada. Questions can be provided in advance if necessary. And I have to do that a lot now because... A lot of these people, you know, who are new to press or maybe have some kind of, I don't want to say sketchy, but past and they don't want me to like, <laughs> you know, they don't know me. Um, obviously, you know, Perez Hilton wanted to know the questions in advance, which is great because he doesn't know me. So he mm -hmm. doesn't know if I'm going to come at him sideways and slam him for something that he might have done 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Although, Funny enough, he talked about that, but that's side the point. <laughs> so yeah. it's just very clear. This is what I want to talk about. So I intro myself. I always use the publicist's name, always, if I can, or manager. I want to have them on my show. This is what we're going to talk about. These are the people we've had. These are the metrics. If so-and-so is interested and available, let me know. And it's just very straightforward. It's a sales pitch because... I'm a salesperson. So it's just very straightforward with everything. They can look at the email and decide right away, yes or no, or nothing, mm. depending. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So building relationships, I can hear. Yes. And, and I know the same in business, the same in anything. Relationships is absolutely key. 
what are the kind of relationships that you've built to be able to reach out to these people? Because it's going to be more than publicists, right? Mostly publicists, managers, or just doing a good interview. I've also had a lot of these companies write testimonials for my website and for my booking sheet that I use. But really, there's about 12 to 13 publicists slash companies overall in a very massive business. And I've gotten to know a lot of them just over time by initial ask to being able to ask. Some I can ask them for anybody and they'll say yes or no. Some, it's kind of like if it's somebody really big, I'm not going to go in for the whale instantly. I'm going to work the edges, get other people on the show that they work with, maybe some of the smaller guests. And then once in a while, I'll go in for the kill like Howie Mandel or you know, somebody like Joel McHale or some of these bigger names. But really, it's publicists, managers, getting to know everybody, lots of communication and just being, you know, having this mindset of building more than just contractual relationships, you know, and checking in on them sometimes and seeing how they're doing. But it is primarily managers and publicists because I don't think I've ever really gone directly for somebody through social media. I've gotten a few people on LinkedIn, but mostly it's just working the database and just sending out a lot of emails and just throwing the cards against the wall and seeing what sticks. Mm. So what do you do or what did you do to build those relationships and how do you keep those relationships warm? Because it's not just a matter of reaching out and going, hey, you know, I'm Brett and I've got a podcast and I want to get to know you so that I can interview, you know, these people that are on your books. How did you make that initial connection and how did you actually sort of build upon that? Well, it's working with them multiple times, right? Like, so anybody could have 10 to 12 clients. If I ask them for A and A is not available, they might pitch me B and C. So I'll take mm -hmm. B and C as a favor. And I'll mm -hmm. say, sure, I'll take B and C, but I really would like to have A. Well, A is not available right now, but can you take B and C? So then I take B and C from this person. But originally, it's just a cold pitch to start. Like, that's all that it is. Because, you know, if it's somebody that I've never worked with, it's a cold pitch. Like, it's obviously well warm in the sense of like, I'm not just asking for their client, but I'm also providing the value that I can give as far as, you know, maybe people I've had or listens or whatever, the metric stuff, right? But really, once I build that relationship, I might say, hey, who do you have available? Or who's doing press right now? For example, with, you know, Howie Mandel, I had worked with her for a year before I even asked for him. And she mm -hmm. had said, it's sometimes, you know, she pitches me people and I say yes, because I'm building that relationship and I know that I can go in for an ask and I'm 90% sure that I'm going to get it. But that's taken a year, a year and a half to build that. Does that make sense? But it's just, it's slowly totally. over time, you know, like sometimes I'll go in for the kill right away, depending. And then I might follow up in a few months and say, Hey, how are things going? Is this person available? There's a few that are always, no, it's busy. So I just stop asking because I don't want to be an annoying fly on the wall mm. to them. But yeah. <laughs> it's a fine line, right? And then they just ignore <laughs> all my emails. So Covert Creative is the perfect example. I started working with her just slowly but surely, you know, 
who's available? Well, this person's available. Would you like to take them? Sure. And maybe A is not available, but C and D might be available. So I take them. And then eventually I start going for the big names. As I'm building that list, that's my resume. And that is social proof to these publicists that I, A, can conduct a good interview and B, I'm not going to blindside their client with something crazy and that I can be trusted. Mm. Eric Conley, who hosts Unstructured, does free press for him. You know, he always tells me, well, you're kind of like the late night podcast host. You know, you ask good questions, you have a good interview, but you don't just like, you know, jab somebody or maybe ask something that I might ask that's a bit more challenging. And that just comes down to my personal style. But essentially, it's just it's a process and just, you know, or maybe, hey, can you make an introduction to this other publicist, you know, or would you be willing to vouch for me? And those are big asks, especially for these high profile agencies, because, you know, we're talking people that book talent on Jimmy Fallon or James Corden. Like, mm. I've been very lucky. Like some of these people have been on national Joe Rogan. I mean, Mariana Van Zeller of National Geographic. It's just like not that I am comparing myself to Joe Rogan, but to be able to say I've had the same people that they've had is a pretty cool feeling. But it, again, it's mm. just been building that relationship or maybe referring them to somebody else, you know, and saying, hey, this is a great person to work with. It's just kind of a back and forth type of relationship. Yeah. And I think that is something that I want to touch on because obviously not everyone that's listening has got a podcast that interviews celebrities you know they may want big names well mostly in business right because authors or whomever is, yeah it all works exactly the same. that's exactly right but what i've found is that that relationship is definitely always from my perspective it's how can i help these publicists yes. or how can i help these other people because they are just as busy as we are and when i can say to them hey look yeah i will definitely you know interview that person because sometimes if they've got someone that's on a tour they're trying to get them booked yes. so yep i would love to interview that person because that's yeah that's great for me but it's also helping you out i'll make sure i get it and this is something you mentioned earlier the release schedule is very important when you're talking guests that are, you know, releasing. So, yes, I will interview that person. I will make sure that it's released in exactly this week because that's when it's launching. But how else can I help you? And it's that last question that I find that really starts to build the relationship because it, then it's always who else can I introduce you to? Who else can I can I connect you with? Because then that's where they will reach out to you next time because they know that you'll help them, that they know that whatever they need, they can reach out. And it also means that you're top of mind when something really cool happens. Yeah, yeah. I would say that's very true. It's just being reliable to, to them again when you say you're going to drop it you release it you don't sit on it for six months you know unless it's something that has to wait obviously but really mm -hmm. you know it's just it's a two-way street you know and knowing that i will say yes to smaller people or smaller type guests as long as it stays in the vein of pop culture or they're in like john acuff is an author but he's still kind of mainstream pop culture but if you're a business podcast and you want to get, you know, Grant Cardone, I don't know who that could be. It could be anybody, you, Samantha, I don't know. It's just all about, it all works the same way as far as building the relationship and providing value to them 
equally as they provide value to you. And it's also assuming that your job is to find the cake, to bake the cake and to sell the cake. And their job is to come up and eat the cake, make the appearance, put on a good interview and not make them incumbent to do something else. I always follow up with my publicist afterwards, let them know it went well, thank them. You know, please, if I can do anything for you, let me know. If you need other shows, let me know. However I can help, please let me know. And it's worked out really well so far. That's a little piece of gold right there, just following up and saying, hey, I've done it. Thank you so much. Yeah. Went well. It's, that, that's, it's those little tiny things that, you know, will make us as podcasters stand out from the crowd. Yeah, you have to just. I mean, it's it, again, you know, it's just about lifting others and having that abundant mindset and just being nice, you know, and saying thank you. Even when somebody says no, I'm like, okay, well, thank you for your time. I appreciate your consideration. Hopefully we can work together in the future. If somebody says they're not available or they're not interested, you know, sometimes they'll say, well, you do you have anybody else? Or sometimes they'll counter pitch with these people. But also at the same time, like if it just becomes favor after favor after favor and like it's not getting you anywhere, that's a different story. I know mm. some people may agree or disagree with that, but in this particular niche of celebrity interviews, like there's some people I've worked with where they've just never delivered and I don't necessarily make the effort to reach out. I start to say no a lot more now than I used to because I am really trying to be specific on my keep my feed clean as far as the type of people, you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, it just you get this gut feeling and you just know, like, if this is something that I should work on or if someone's just taking advantage of you because you're an easy yes, if that makes any sense. And you just have to be careful mm -hmm. to watch that. And that's in any kind of business transaction. I've never had Absolutely. a negative experience, but there are people that I don't work with anymore just because my time is just as important as theirs. If they have a guest mm -hmm. that just keeps not showing up or I've had a guest be a no show now on me three times and they're like, no apology. Do you want to try and make it happen again? And I was finally like, you know, to be honest, I would love to, but it seems like this person's very busy. So I think for now we should just hold a beat. And they're like, okay, mm -hmm. cool. And they get it. Absolutely. Absolutely. You mentioned at the beginning, well, that the very first important piece of getting these people into your show is making the sale. What I know you've talked about it a little bit already, but can you sort of package this up so it's nice and neat to help us understand really what making the sale means to you when you're talking about this? Putting your best product forward when it comes to branding, when it comes to sound, when it comes to production, social media, are all your links working? Is everything easily accessible for that person to look and to make a decision? Like, if I'm going to sell you something like wine, I sell wine for a living, right? If I'm going to sell wine to you, Samantha, I'm going to sell it to you in a way that is appealing and makes your mouth water and assuming you drink wine, like, you know what goes really good? Do you eat steak? Do you, what do you, you like steak? You love steak? Awesome. I have a fantastic Cabernet that will just melt in your mouth and just 
bring out the flavors of that steak and will just drive you through the wall when it comes to the wine. So it's just selling yourself, you know, having all of that important information available, making it concise and to the point and just going for the ask, you know, and then deciding, is it worth following up with? Or if I follow up, is this person going to get annoyed? Does that help make it clearer a little bit more? Totally, okay. totally. I just wanted to make it so that people were like, yep, I've totally got this. I know what I'm doing. Brett, where can we find you? Obviously, your show is The Brett Allen Show. Where can we find you and more about you? Social media, it's all at Brett Allen Show. And you can find me everywhere. Just type in The Brett Allen Show and thanks. Give us a listen. You know, we try to put out great shows and we appreciate everybody that chooses to be a part of what we're doing. I love it. Brett, thanks so much for coming on the show today, for sharing all of your knowledge and experience that you've had to pull together yourself and share it with us so that we can go ahead and book some great guests for our show too. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, Samantha, for having me. It was a pleasure. Today's episode may be over, but let's continue the conversation. Head on over to the Thought Leaders Business Lab community on Facebook and connect with other entrepreneurs who are building and scaling their business too. See you next time in the Thought Leaders Business Lab.